Two Guys, One Shaker Cup Podcast, hosted by Joshua Shaw and Ryan Buckeye. What's going on, everybody? Welcome inside the Two Guys, One Shaker Cup Podcast. If, if you're looking and watching via YouTube right now, Josh, for like the last three weeks, it seems like you're in a different locale every time. First there's green scenery <laughs> and grass, then there's a white wall, now I see a big screen TV, nice artwork in the back, a bike, which I know you never fucking use. What's going on, buddy? How are you? <laughs> Good, man. I'm just uh, like to change it up for the YouTube uh, watchers. You know what I mean? I think they're so used to seeing that green background in all of my YouTube videos that I would uh, show them a little bit more of my place here in Austin. Yeah, well, good. It, it looks – this is Austin living. This, if you're a hipster living in downtown Austin, you park your bike in your living room right next to your television. Nice kitchen in the back. Got one couch. And then he's got his uh, nice little rocking chair there at the desk where he does all his sweet videos for YouTube. Hey, we have a cool topic this week, and it's, it's relevant because we're a week away from once upon a time was one of like the biggest get-togethers in sports nutrition for the year, the Mr. Olympia not only bodybuilding show but sports nutrition expo, which takes place – on Friday and Saturday at the Las Vegas Convention Center. How many Olympias have you been to? I was trying to remember this the other day. Honestly, it's got to be close to 10 or so. It's been a while. Like My first one that I went to, I was 20, so I wasn't even legally allowed to drink and, and do all those fun it's things. It's Vegas. Like You're after legally allowed to do whatever you want in Vegas at any age. Yeah, l- luckily enough that I, I I went to enough of the parties that were thrown by people and they spent a lot of money to kind of rent out spaces in the clubs or bars. So they never checked IDs or anything like that. So I was able to partake in a little bit of the fun. But my first year or two, um, yeah, it was it was one of those things where I wasn't really able to do much of the partying like I did a few years after that. It's, I've been there, I think this will be my fourth time now um, for the Olympia. I've been to Vegas like 12 times, but um, I love it. I, I think Vegas has an attraction to brands because it's Las Vegas in September. and has attraction to consumers who like bodybuilding. And we want to take the time during this episode to really kind of do two things here. Obviously, discuss more or less the business side of of being a vendor or an exhibitor at these trade shows or bigger things, you know, sports nutrition expos. Um, I also explain the difference between like the Olympia and the Arnold, because there is a difference between the two events. I have a personal preference between which one I like more. Um, so let's start there, Josh, what's your personal preference between the Arnold and Columbus, which happens in March and this year it snowed again, or Las Vegas, Nevada, September, hundred degrees for the Olympia. So it's probably a little bit more of a difficult uh, choice for me because, one, I'm an Ohioan. I, I grew oh, up yeah. in Ohio, so That's I have a right. soft spot for Ohio. Columbus is a great city. It's kind of one of those cities that people don't give as much credit as they should. Unfortunately, the fitness community doesn't get to see the best side of it because they see it in March, and it usually mm-hmm. snows, and people don't really like it. Uh, but I also lived in Vegas uh, for a year, so I do have that as well. I, I always choose probably warmth over cold, so I'm going to go with the Olympia. I also just like the Olympia because I think it's just more exciting. People are happier to be there, yeah. which is important if you're on the business side and you're holding meetings all day. When somebody is in the middle of the cold and they don't want to be there for the Arnold and, and they're just not enjoying the process, those meetings become a lot more difficult. So right. for me, it's just an easier process to do Vegas. And then also I think surrounding, there's a lot more things to do. So you know, having dinner meetings or jumping off site even to go to a lunch meeting or something like that is a lot easier and it's kind of situated a lot more fun a lot more exciting so that's that's personally my choice 
What about what about you, Ryan? I love Vegas, the climate, and I love the environment and the atmosphere. In terms of actual shows, I like the Arnold better. I think the Arnold is a much better show than the Olympia. A um, couple things that the big differentiating, differentiating factor between the two is the Mr. Olympia Sports Nutrition Expo and that event is bodybuilding only. It is men's and women's bodybuilding. Versus the Arnold, you have fucking everything under the sun. I mean, you have bodybuilding, you have strongmen, you have fencing, you have, um, you know, uh, I mean, Jesus, man, how many different things do they have? It's ridiculous. I, I, that, yeah. They might have hacky sack. I don't even know, but they have literally <laughs> everything under the sun, which draws such a large crowd. So yeah. if you look at the attendance between the Olympia and the Arnold, the Olympia attendance is so much higher from a, from a consumer standpoint, I believe. I think the numbers are significantly higher. You might have different numbers than me, but I heard that it was yeah. significantly higher I, in Columbus than it is for Vegas from a consumer perspective. Yeah, so yeah, Columbus gets more people, I think, because of all those events that happen. Um, I, I agree from a consumer. If I was going to pick one or the other and, and I took away the weather aspect and all that, the Arnold is a better show in a vacuum because you walk around just the expo center – it is like energy everywhere. Right. It is one of those things where like you could get caught down a wormhole and watching these weird sports that you've never even thought of. Like you said, like fencing. I remember one year like watching the fencing for like a half an hour and thinking like, how did I even get here? How yeah. did I even do this? But it was one of those things where I'd never seen it before other than maybe the Olympics for like a few seconds. So right. it's, an, it's an experience. I think that's an experience. But if you are a hardcore lover of like bodybuilding and just the – massiveness of, of people probably you're going to be better off going to the olympia because yeah. it's more focused on just one particular niche sport yeah i think the arnold is more strongman focused versus bodybuilding although it's probably the second biggest bodybuilding show in america and the olympia is the granddaddy of them all when it comes to bodybuilding but from a business side now uh i prefer vegas obviously vegas i mean like listen columbus had a great time had great meetings you're kind of forced to sit at the hotel bar and you know how that goes. One drink leads to six, and six leads to 20, and then you don't know what the night brings. But Vegas is different because there's more of an, an atmosphere for, for partying and having fun. And listen, if you're not entrenched in this industry, if you've never been within the sports, nutrition, or fitness industry, it is a work hard, play hard mentality for sure. All right? You get those corporate cards tossed up on the bar. Josh and I are the first ones to scoot our way into that, into that group <laughs> and make our drink order because as long as we're not writing it off and somebody else is, I will take, I will take top shelf everything every every chance I get, but you'll see the trends lately at some of these sports nutrition expos is the attendance from the brand side just isn't like it used to be. And I believe there is a lot of different factors that go into it. And for the purpose of this episode, we can focus on the Olympia because there are a lot of different factors that go into why people are no longer traveling to Vegas and having a booth. First off, I'll start. So a lot of brands now, and Josh will probably talk, I'll let you talk more about the ROI side, the return on investment, but a lot of brands now just, they like to go and just take meetings. They don't like to exhibit because what Josh will talk about in terms of ROI, it's just not there for them. So they may go get a room at the Renaissance, which is right outside the convention center, and just meet with retailers all day long in terms of what they have for show specials, trying to get more distribution, uh, meet with brands like FI, so that way we can figure out marketing strategies for the rest of the year. That is more beneficial to many of these brands than paying the amount of money that they have to pay uh, to the Olympia for the booth space in general. So I've noticed that trend lately, like... You know, and, and from the flip side, retailers aren't traveling to Vegas like they used to be either. I mean, 
when I went to Vegas for the first time, I was with supplementwarehouse.com. We went, we met with brands and tried to figure out like what we're going to bring into the .com. Um, but now even I work closely with the guys at SUPS. They're not going. Bodybuilding.com is not going. I mean, they're, they're, I mean, they may have a booth there, but like their, their buyers aren't going. So it's just even the retail side, they aren't traveling anymore because we're, we live in a digital era. Look at Josh and I are literally 2,000 miles apart from each other having a conversation crystal clear. We don't need to spend thousands of dollars to travel to Las Vegas to have this conversation. Yeah, it's I think the last probably five or so years, things started to change a little bit, even like from some of the major retail partners when they started asking brands to just come maybe a week or two before, have a sit down, be able to not be in the noise and be in the like distractions and, and everything, because it is very difficult to have meetings when you are at a trade show because you're having them in usually open spaces. Um, there is not much courtesy that's by other people. A lot of people just come up and say hello in the middle of conversations, and, and it's just very conversational. I think that's just the um, laissez-faire of the of the industry, or just how friendly everybody is in the industry from a mm -hmm. um, just like you know an actual not maybe competition from the brand, but just like people know each other within the industry. It's a very small industry, so it's tough to do that and. A lot of people have just decided not to go anymore. I think it's partly, like you said, digital. Um, you can have meetings um, through Skype. You can have them through Zoom or, or something like that. You can also just fly to a place uh, pretty cheap and just kind of handle those meetings and, and be a one-on-one -on -one type of a situation. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's not from like the cost-wise has not really changed all that much over the last probably a decade or so. Like if you're looking at like a pure cost that goes involved, like from a brand, if you are say, you know, optimum nutrition and you want to put on a booth at the Olympia, that cost hasn't changed significantly for you over the last decade. Yet, if you've went to the Olympia, especially last year, you will see that there's, there wasn't that many booths. I mean, I think 80 or 75% of it was kind of filled. They were open another 25% that they could have stuffed people yeah. in there. So like there's probably a multitude of things that are changing that are happening that is causing this. But it's interesting because that used to be the, you know, what they call like the dick measuring contest of yeah. the industry. Like people would go there and they would try to put on this a massive kind of booth and try to be the biggest, baddest person there to show not so much the customers, but show the rest of the industry that they were the biggest, baddest person out there. For whatever reason, that has kind of broken down, which is interesting because I think we've talked about this on the podcast like a ton of different times. The ego hasn't left the industry. Oh, God, no. But I think over time, there's been this education. There's been, you know, maybe for myself or other people that have kind of broken down a lot of the cost side, a lot of the um, just the opportunities that you're losing, the opposite side of where you could get better kind of ROI on marketing spends and a bunch of different things. Right. It starts to open up your eyes a little bit. You start to get a little bit smarter. The ego is probably still there, but you realize, hey, maybe I shouldn't do as big of a booth. Maybe I shouldn't do a booth at all. Maybe I should just do something else. Um, I don't need to do that anymore because that's not – going to get me what I need to. I could do that in other ways, like, you know, go out and do like crazy social media campaigns or, or whatever it is. So things have kind of changed. There's a bunch of different kind of things to think about. For, but from a pure cost standpoint, 
it hasn't changed. Like nothing's really changed over the last decade. It still costs you the same amount to fly out all your models and all your sales guys. Still costs you the same amount to produce all those samples. Still costs you the same to build all those booths. Still costs the same for the space at the actual expo center that hasn't like you know 10x or something sure. like that. So what's what's going on i mean that's kind of what to think about here i don't know if it has anything to do with really cost side it has something to do with maybe just the evolution of marketing and the industry's acceptance of it yeah i think in terms of cost too i think the only thing that i had heard that changes specifically with the olympia is additional asks in terms of investment so you pay you know 10k i'm using this as a, just a blanket number like 10k for the booth space then you pay an additional 5k for something to be hung from the ceiling then you pay an additional x for electricity but then on top of that in the back side they want you to pay for like an ad inside of the the olympia book which was an additional ask so therefore the costs then start adding up uh the olympia has been listen I'm, I'm a media partner for the olympia i don't feel bad saying this it has been in disarray for years in terms of how that was how it was been run and they've had issues with trying to get businesses and brands there hopefully they have a whole new staff in place this year they're trying to fix it i've been working with them very closely in terms of our media access things went well so i have i have hope that they're going to get their shit together but if you even talk to brands that have been there the last couple of years they i mean they literally just said it's been a clusterfuck it has been so bad versus say the arnold that is what you know that turns brands off especially when you're you're dropping I mean, some of these brands are spending a quarter of a million dollars, you know, yeah. all in easily on a booth, on samples, on flights, accommodations, food, everything. That's a lot of money. And when there's not something to that quarter million dollars or more where you can reasonably track a return on investment, when you can take $250,000 invested in Facebook ads and literally see anybody and everybody who clicks on that ad and actually converts on your website – it's a much better spend from a brand in terms of a wise investment to put that maybe in digital or something else. Now, speaking on digital, how digital has also changed the expos is, Josh, how many expos or how many Olympias have you gone to in which there was like big product reveals, right? Like the Olympia was the place where you're going to launch the biggest product of the year of your brand. You don't have to do it in Vegas anymore. You can do it on a Wednesday. Ghost this year dropped how many things on a Thursday? You know, collaborations, licensing deals on Thursdays. They didn't wait for the Olympia because you just don't need to anymore. Yeah, social media might be the killer of, of expos in a sense. But on the opposite side, expos, if done correctly in kind of the experiential feeling that you can get from them, is not easily replaced from digital. But mm -hmm. to your point, what maybe has been the driver of, of all this is that brands realize that either – they want to go into a trade show and think about this. And I always, when I consult around maybe spends in a expo or trade show, one of the first questions I always ask the brand is like, what is your intent? Like, right. what is the purpose of you being there? Is it to, you know, build your brand, build, you know, just exposure or is it to sell? Because some people go in there with the idea of like, they want to make money from this trade show. So building a trade show booth, around selling and making money is much, much different than trying to brand your product. Right. But in the sense of like digital and how that's changed things is that you also have trackable types of drivers or levers that you can pull for both of those as well. Like if you want to do Facebook ads, that's probably a much bigger and better way to build your brand. And if you want to sell, you might want to go down funnel and just do a bunch of Amazon ads that people are there ready to buy. You get them uh, a lot lower in your funnel. So both of those are very easily tracked, which 
is much different than a trade show booth where you don't necessarily know unless you you know employ some different type of of strategies but for the most part it's not very trackable what ultimately that does for your brand is there a lift after the trade show maybe but you also are probably doing 10 other things you're pulling 10 other levers so mm-hmm. is that the reason is it not there's always been that issue with brands trying to quantify like does this actually make sense for them or not yeah and i think let's uh, we're not trying to discredit expos at all because i think there is definitely a place for them for instance i mean as a consumer the expos are it's a, an adult fucking trick-or-treat festival okay the consumers are coming with the bags hanging them out or opening them up and trying to get pre-workouts and, and bcaa's when they leave that expo they don't remember well, you know, they might take something but they're probably not going to convert but if you're actually having sellable product there as well, there's an opportunity to get your tubs of protein, your tubs of pre-workout in the hands of a consumer at a discount um, to help you try to recoup some of the cost of that booth. You're not going to break even, but at least then they kind of have like a full-fledged – maybe you can build some customer loyalty to um, you know, at the event. But Josh mentioned the exper- experiential factor of it. It's, it's no different than shopping online versus going to like a brick-and-mortar store. We've talked about that a lot here on the podcast. It's like why do you shop online? Because it's convenient and quick. But why do you go into the store? I'm telling you what. Like I bought a TV for my new house. It's extremely expensive. I did not trust myself just doing research online. I wanted to go talk to somebody who knew what the fuck they're talking about. Same thing to me at the expo. Like I'm wearing a, a Nutribio shirt right now. They do a great job of educating consumers at their expos on their products and why they should buy them. You don't get that through a native, you know, Facebook ad or a native like page. Typically, you don't because a lot of people don't like to read. So that one-on-one connection you can get with the brand. That does help build brand loyalty, but it's just so hard to quantify what that actual equals in terms of a return on your investment because at the end of the day, that's still number one. On any type of marketing piece that you do, everyone's going to look at return on investment. Now, the side piece of that is like Josh's point. Like there is branding. There are people who will pay for banner ads on on impressions because it's all about branding and branding only. They don't care about ROI. But when you're spending upwards of a quarter of a million dollars, um, a lot of times ROI does come into play with that big of a spend. We've talked about experiential a few times throughout this podcast, and I go to all the trade shows, at least the the major ones, Mm -hmm. and I make it a point to spend about an hour of the time there to walk the floor once. I don't, I don't talk to people. I don't, whatever. It's just for me, just like watching and, and seeing what's happening because I'm looking to see if somebody is finally like walked out of the box and created something truly unique within the trade show floor. And what you end up seeing is just people utilizing the spaces very much in the same way. It's always like building a wall across your space. You have some type of backdrop. You have some product. You have some models. You have some people trying to talk with music. And it's just one of those things where when you're walking in as a consumer – you can go and see 15, 20, 30 brands, and they all feel the same. And to your point, Ryan, you said you leave and you think, I don't remember which one was which, which one was whatever. If you're going to spend all that money, $100,000 plus, to go out to a trade show, you should make – your first goal should be to make a lasting impression with the consumer. It shouldn't be trying to figure out – like. How do we blend into everybody else's way and, and be this me too type of experience? And for some reason, for whatever reason, the Olympia and the Arnold do a very poor job. The brands there do a very poor job at differentiating themselves from a trade show marketing perspective. Now, if you go to except for different Bang. events, except for Bang, we we, we, ba- we will give Bang credit as much as I hate on Bang on my own channel. Like 
they are the best experiential marketing booth typically at these events because it's literally like they're living what they do. Yeah, I would say Bang probably far and away is, is probably better than anybody else. I'll definitely give them credit as well. But if you go to other you know, major conferences, trade shows that are outside of the industry, even close to the industry, like say if you go to an Expo West, mm-hmm. you know, and you go and see the booths there, and there's a ton of booths that look, you know, Square Bear type of booths. Right. But if you go and look at like a Chobani or you go look at these big major companies that spend time creating these experiences at their trade show booths, you see something very different. You think, wow, I'm going to remember that they had – you know, ex, uh, executive chefs making parfaits that were elevated and all these different things. I thought about Chobani in touch, such a different way. Similarly, like if you go to a South by Southwest or even if you go to a, a music event like Coachella or something like that where it's very much brands, when they do activations, you are immersed mm-hmm. in that brand. When you leave there, you think to yourself, wow, I know this brand. I feel for this brand. Like either I love this brand or I don't love that brand because they've spent time curating their brand and making sure it's immersive to you. They're not out there trying to spend, you know, fruitless money on on a backdrop and, and some product and some models and, and everybody's dancing around. It's something that's much different, something that's a lot more attached to their brand. And when I walk around an Olympia or I walk around a Arnold, I don't see that 99.9% of the time. I don't see that even at all. It's just the same cookie cutter stuff happening over and over and you're just wasting money. You're just throwing money away. It just frustrates me. And I don't know if it's a lack of people getting out and seeing other industries and seeing how other people do it Mm -hmm. or if it's just a matter of just trying to do the easiest thing possible. Yeah, I think a lot of people in this space don't – they don't go to these other expos like you and I have gone to before and see kind of what some other brands outside of our industries do. Like even if they go to like a CES in Vegas, you're going to see something completely different. At that show, that is a good show. Anybody listening to this, if you have not been to the Consumer Electronics Show in Vegas, you should go because you are going to see experiential marketing like at its best at that show because that's really what it's about. You're experiencing all this new stuff coming out. Now, like we mentioned, Bang, I noticed like Ilani New at the Arnold this year did a fantastic job of being more experiential. So brands, I think, are some brands are starting to think that way, but most brands are still kind of like caught in their old ways. Now, I mean, you could say like Animal is kind of more experiential because they have the cage. I mean, that's kind of cool, but if it's just your 10 by 10 booth and you're hanging samples out like why like what are you doing that's different that's why people don't remember you but if you leave a lasting impression and sometimes that lasting impression josh might be having an athlete there it might be maybe they met like a fitness personality that 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 technically works um you know that's an experience for them but if you don't have that if you don't have a centerpiece of your brand you're just another brand selling a pre-workout you better differentiate yourself somehow and then not by show sales not by flavor of your pre-workout do something fucking different and bold take a chance risk because really at the end of the day you want to make sure you stand out now there's been a lot of uh, Josh and I've been talking a lot about like why brands are not doing it, and Josh alluded to why brands do it. Basically, a dick sizing contest. Yes, absolutely, and that still does exist today. People still do it for ego based, but there is another business esque related reason why brands will showcase an expo at these events. And and the one that I'm thinking of is if you have, say, you're a preferred retailer to say a GNC or a Vitamin Shop, and you have good presence in their stores. Those retailers expect you to be at these shows and and have a presence. So you know, not not saying like. Redcon one wouldn't be there if they weren't in vitamin shops and GNCs, but like being there shows these retailers like they give a shit and they want to get out there and they want to brand themselves and hopefully they get some residual effects within foot traffic into the GNC and vitamin shop in the future saying, ah, I remember seeing that brand at the Olympia. I want to purchase Total War. 
but that that still exists today in which brands do it to appease their retailers, correct? 20 or 30 brands like have to be at these shows similar to, you know, why does Coca-Cola or Pepsi like have to put their name on stadiums? Like, you know, Coca-Cola or Pepsi, but they people expect those banners to be at stadiums or whatever. It's kind of the same thing with these trade show booths. Like if you are a certain brand at a certain level, you are expected to be there because people ask where is X brand or Y brand. But for all the other brands, nobody's going to notice if you are there or not. So you have to really think critically, does this make sense? And to your point, like if you are trying to court certain retailers or, or something like that, sometimes those things will help, but it all needs to be calculated in a way that makes it important to whatever that intent is. Because we've been talking about like individual small like ROIs on like the, the end customer, but there is a B2B side of it as well that sometimes international distributors or a vitamin shop or a GNC or a Walmart or something like that, a buyer's there and they want to see that you are, you know, acting perception is reality type of a situation. They want to see that you're out there showing that you are a big brand. All of a sudden they're more interested in bringing you on because they see, Hey, they're out there. They're getting a lot of response from customers. looks like they have a line. This is great. Um, you know, everything's going well. Now you made a mention about, athletes. And, and I think that's been a tactic or a strategy that's been used a lot lately. You see it more from the influencer, like the YouTubers yeah. over, it used to be very much like bodybuilders. Right. I remember you'd wait in line to go see Jay Cutler, or you go to see Dexter Jackson or, or something like that. I remember those lines, you know, when I first started in the industry. Now, if those people were at a booth, honestly, the people might not even know who they are. They're, they're waiting for you know, max tuning, they're waiting for, um, you know, the, for Christian Guzman, they're, they're waiting for these people that YouTubers, and that's because these YouTubers, not because of like their athletic feats and how strong they are. And, you know, oh, they, I want to be just like them from how strong they are. It's because they've opened up their lives and you attach yourselves to them in a way that's very unique that bodybuilders and everybody else really never did because well, they didn't have social media as well. So that was a little bit, you know, it's tough, tougher mm -hmm. to, to do that, but you have a connection there. So this kind of transitions to me a little bit into more of like this Instagrammable moments. A lot of times people, especially experiential trade shows or even taking it a, a step further, people pay to go and take pictures at certain bars mm -hmm. or certain like, um, event type of things. There's like the museum of ice cream or these things where there's a bunch of rooms set up that are, um, they're just set up for Instagrammable pictures. They have like very crazy backdrops and props and all these different things. And people pay 10, 20, 30 bucks. So look at like what's happening socially, what is trends, what is happening and make sure that you're applying that to your trade show booths. So athletes are a great one because that is like people are waiting in line to take a picture, to mm -hmm. talk to them, but also if you maybe if you don't have athletes, there has to be something at your booth that makes people want to maybe take a picture, Instagrammable moments, things like that, because that is what ultimately even gets you outside of the four walls of that trade show booth. You might have 50,000 people that come through during the Olympia, but if 40,000 of them take a picture at your Instagrammable moment, that all of a sudden broadcasts that out to like 10 or 20 million. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, that became a much different ROI for you than 40,000 people that know your brand. So. Yeah. There's a ton of different ways to kind of look at this. I, you know, it just kind of depends if the brand is looking at it in the complete picture. It could be a huge ROI for them if they do it right, or it could be a 
dump of money and the biggest waste of time and, and money that they probably did it throughout the year. It just kind of depends on how they situate it. When you walk those floors you know, for that hour time that you take, and I do the same thing, you're ultimately going to see many brands at those shows that you won't see there again next year. Not because they decided not to be there, but because they went out of business. So that's I want to end the, this episode on just like, especially if you're a new brand or launching a new brand. For me and you, I think we've heard it quite a bit. People always will talk to us about like some of the strategies they have to their go-to-market strategies, and I get it all the time. Like, we're going to launch at the Arnold. We're going to launch at the Olympia with a booth. And my question is like, why? Why is that your first, your first, your first answer to everything? Like, why is it got to be a booth? Why do you have to be at these shows? Do you understand them? And I think most of the business owners who make these decisions have gone to a show and they're like, oh my god, this would be fucking cool to do it. But is it cool? Is it the right thing for your brand? There are brands who have launched at the Olympia and the Arnold before that have been successful. Yes, absolutely. But there have been a lot of brands who've launched there that lost their ass in money and then couldn't afford another product run. Therefore, they had to liquidate their sales and then they went out of business. Being a consultant within the space, Josh, I don't know how many small new brands hit you up for advice, but I know you've dealt with this before in terms of small brands looking to launch at these events. What is the line of advice that you give them every time? Yeah, I always go back to asking them the question of like, what's the purpose of them doing it? I always ask that first. Sometimes it's, you know, I want to get feedback on my new products or things like that. And then I always point them towards a lot of other more bootstrap, cheaper ways to get the same data that Mm -hmm. they're going to get from that. Because I think to your point that you brought up, and it is the point probably of all, especially smaller startup brands in the spaces that they've once been a consumer, which is great. I love that passion, love that excitement. They've went through one of the trade show booths once. They had such a great experience Mm -hmm. as a consumer and they thought, I can duplicate this or make this a little bit better if I launch my own brand. That's the perfect launching period. Let me go do it. And then they don't ever think about anything else. They just think about that. So it clouds their their brain a little bit. But there's always a way to to accomplish the same thing that you want if you actually understand the intent behind why you want to put on that trade show booth. It's usually a better way to do it. Yeah. I mean, and not to mention a lot of their, their booths that they put together – or literally look like they were just tossed together. There's no thought process to it. So it's not a booth that I want to even approach and go to and, and step into their little 10 by 10 space. So new brands out there. Now, it's interesting because there's a brand called MFIT, which is, um, you know, it's backed by a pharmaceutical company and it has Guy Sisterino on it. They launch at the Arnold and they've done very well. Now, they also have the money of a pharmaceutical company behind them. That is a huge difference. If you are, you know, John Henry and Jason Smith that decide that you, you know, you guys work out together at a gym and you want to launch a pre-workout and you have one, maybe two products, I don't think the Arnold of the Olympia is the best choice to launch that stuff. Use your brain, use your money a little bit more wisely. Use it in building your brand and your and your SEO and your your digital presence more than going to one of these things because chances are no one's going to fucking remember you at that event unless it was just abysmal, you know, or unless you're just doing something absolutely crazy and different, which no offense, most of you small guys out there, you don't think differently. You think in a tunnel and you, you, you look at what like BSN has been doing for 10 years. You're like, let's do that. And it does not work for you. It will not work for you. I guarantee it will not fucking work for you. So as we end up this show, Josh, what are you looking forward to a week from today? This, this episode drops, on a Thursday, next Thursday, you and I both, or you, I think you're going on Wednesday, um, go into the Sin City, Las Vegas for the 2019 Olympia Sports Convention Expo. What are you looking forward to the most? You know, I'm looking forward to just seeing old faces and things like that. Now that I've been in the industry for more than 10 years, it's always good to see people and, you know, kind of shake hands, kiss babies type of a situation. Mm-hmm. And then secondary, I'm hoping 
somebody surprises me. Somebody does something that is just outside the box in the industry and so, and I go, wow, okay, that is different. Now, I've been let down more times than I've <laughs> not been let down. Yeah. We'll see. I always keep hope. You're going to be let down. Trust me. You're going to be definitely <laughs> let down. Uh, for me, obviously, just... Uh, getting out in Vegas again, and to your point, like these are fun. They're fun get togethers. We are a very close niche industry for sure. Those of us who get along, get along really well. Um, even if we don't get along with people, you tend to not have too much drama at these places. But, uh, you know, come Saturday night when the show's done and people can kind of finally relax and celebrate, it's a good time. It's a good, good time. And if I can see Josh Shaw out at a club somewhere fist pounding, it's going to make my fucking weekend. I'm just going to be looking for that kid from Ohio with a backwards hat on, shirt off screaming his name out loud in front of everybody during an EDM concert. And I fucking hate EDM, Josh, but that would surprise me. That would make my weekend. <laughs> Don't hold your breath. <laughs> Subscribe to our podcast. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, YouTube, Google Podcast, and more. Follow us along on our social media channels. We're on Facebook, Two Guys, One Cup, Instagram, and Twitter.